Chapters fourteen and fifteen of the Women of the American Revolution, Volume One, by Elizabeth F. Ellet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen, Elizabeth Ferguson. The old building called the Carpenter Mansion, the site of which is now occupied by the Arcade in Philadelphia, was the residence of Doctor Thomas Graham, the father of Mrs. Ferguson. He was a native of Scotland, distinguished as a physician in the city and for some time was colonial collector of the port he married anne the daughter of sir william keith then governor of pennsylvania more than thirty years before the revolution when these premises were occupied by governor thomas the fruit-trees garden and shrubbery often allured the townsfolk to extend their walks thither the youth of that day were frequently indebted to the kindness of the governor's lady who invited them to help themselves from a long range of cherry-trees and when may-day came the young girls were treated to bouquets and wreaths from the gardens after the death of dr graham in seventeen seventy two the property passed successively into different hands in time of the war the house was appropriated for the use of the sick american soldiery who died there in hundreds of the camp fever the sufferers were supplied with nourishment by the ladies of philadelphia and general washington himself sent them a cask of madeira which he had received as a present from robert morris the mansion was the scene moreover of a most touching spectacle on one occasion when a mother of a youth from the country came to seek her son among the dead in the hospital while mourning over him as lost to her for ever she discerned signs of life and ere long he was restored to consciousness in her arms asterisk see watson's annals of philadelphia return to text while occupied by dr graham the house was long rendered attractive and celebrated not only by his exuberant hospitality but by the talents and accomplishments of his youngest daughter she was the centre of the literary coteries of that day who were accustomed to meet at her father's residence even in early life she discovered a mind richly endowed with intellectual gifts these were cultivated with care by her excellent and accomplished mother she was born in seventeen thirty nine in her youth she passed much time in study for which and the cultivation of her poetical talents opportunities were afforded in the pleasant retreat where her parents spent their summers graham park in montgomery country twenty miles from philadelphia it is said that the translation of telemachus into english verse the manuscript volumes of which are in the philadelphia library was undertaken by elizabeth graham as a relief and diversion of her mind from the suffering occasioned by disappointment in love after this the failure of her health induced her father to send her to europe her mother who had long been declining wished her much to go and for a reason as singular as it is touching asterisk see hazard's pennsylvania register volume three page three ninety four for a memoir of mrs ferguson first published in the portfolio from which are derived these particulars of her personal history some of her letters appeared in the portfolio return to text she believed the time of her death to be at hand and felt that the presence of her beloved daughter prevented that exclusive fixing of her thoughts and affections upon heavenly things which in her last hours she desired this distrust of the heart is not an uncommon feeling archbishop lightfoot wished to die separated from his home and family a mother some years ago in her last moments said to her daughter who sat weeping at her bedside leave me my child i cannot die while you are in the room something of the same feeling is shown in an extract from one of mrs graham's letters written to be delivered after her death 
my trust she says is in my heavenly father's mercies procured and promised by the all-sufficient merits of my blessed saviour so that whatever time it may be before you see this or whatever weakness i may be under on my deathbed, be assured this is my faith this is my hope from my youth up until now mrs graham died as she expected during the absence of her daughter but left two farewell letters to be delivered on her return these contained advice respecting her future life in the relations of wife and mistress of a household and the most ardent expressions of maternal affection elizabeth remained a year in england under the guardianship of the rev dr richard peters of philadelphia whose position enabled him to introduce her into the best society she was sought for in literary circles attracted the attention of distinguished persons by her mental accomplishments and was particularly noticed by the british monarch the celebrated dr fothergill whom she consulted as a physician was during his life her friend and correspondent her return to philadelphia was welcomed by a numerous circle of friends who came to condole with her upon her mother's death and to testify their affectionate remembrance of herself the stores of information gained during her visit to great britain where she had been all eye all ear and all grasp were dispensed for the information and entertainment of those she loved she now occupied the place of her mother in her father's family managing the house and presiding in the entertainment of his visitors during several years of their winter residence in the city saturday evenings were appropriated for the reception of their friends and strangers who visited philadelphia with introductions to the family of dr graham the mansion was in fact the headquarters of literature and refinement and the hospitality of its owner rendered it an agreeable resort miss graham was the presiding genius her brilliant intellect her extensive and varied knowledge her vivid fancy and cultivated taste offered attractions which were enhanced by the charm of her graceful manners it was at one of these evening assemblies that she first saw hugh henry ferguson a young gentleman lately arrived in the country from scotland they were pleased with each other at the first interview being congenial in literary tastes and a love of retirement the marriage took place in a few months notwithstanding that ferguson was ten years younger than miss graham not long after this event her father died having bequeathed to his daughter the country seat in montgomery county on which she and her husband continued to reside the happiness anticipated by mrs ferguson in country seclusion and her books was of brief duration the discontents were increasing between great britain and america which resulted in the war of independence it was necessary for mr ferguson to take part with one or the other and he decided according to the prejudices natural to his birth by espousing the royal cause from this time a separation took place between him and mrs ferguson her connection with certain political transactions exposed her for a time to much censure and mortification but there is no reason to doubt the sincerity of her declarations with regard to the motives that influenced her conduct many of her unobtrusive charities testify to her sympathy with her suffering countrymen she not only visited the cottages in her neighborhood with supplies of clothing provisions or medicines for the inmates but while general howe had possession of philadelphia she sent a quantity of linen into the city spun with her own hands and directed it to be made into shirts for the benefit of the american prisoners taken at the battle of germantown another instance of her benevolence is characteristic on hearing in one of her visits to the city that a merchant had become reduced and having been imprisoned for debt was suffering from want of the comforts of life 
she sent him a bed and afterwards visited him in prison and put twenty dollars into his hands she refused to inform him who was his benefactor but it was discovered by his description of her person and dress at this time her annual income it is said was reduced to a very limited sum many other secret acts of charity performed at the expense of her personal and habitual comforts were remembered by her friends and many instances of her sensibility and tender sympathy with all who suffered her husband being engaged in the british service she was favoured by the loyalists while treated with respect at the same time by the other party as an american lady who occupied a high social position Asterisk. the reader is referred to the life and correspondence of president reed by his grandson william b reed volume one page three eighty one mrs ferguson's letters are there quoted with her narrative at length return to text it was natural that she should be in some measure influenced by attachment to the old order of things and respect for the civil institutions she had been accustomed to venerate while her desire for the good of her countrymen led to ardent wishes that the desolations and miseries she witnessed might cease it is said she often wept over newspapers containing details of suffering the sensibility that could not bear to look on the woes even of the brute creation must have been severely tried by the daily horrors of civil war it is not surprising therefore that she should be eager to seize any opportunity that offered of being instrumental in ending them immediately after the british took possession of philadelphia mrs ferguson was the bearer of a letter from the rev mr duchet to general washington which greatly displeased him causing him to express to her his disapprobation of the intercourse she seemed to have held with the writer and his expectation that it should be discontinued at a later period she came again to philadelphia under a pass granted her by the commander-in-chief for the purpose of taking leave of her husband she was at the house of her friend charles stedman which chanced to be the place appointed for the residence of governor johnston one of the commissioners sent under parliamentary authority to settle the differences between great britain and america she was in company with him three times the conversation being general on the first two occasions his declarations she says were so warm in favour of american interests that she looked upon him as really a friend to her country he wished since he could not himself be permitted to pass the lines to find some person who would step forward and act a mediatorial part by suggesting something to stop the effusion of blood likely to ensue if the war were carried on mrs ferguson said repeatedly that she believed the sentiment of the people to be in favour of independence i am certain were her words in the last conversation on the subject that nothing short of independence will be accepted yet it does not appear that her own views were averse to a reunion of the two countries governor johnston then expressed a particular anxiety for the influence of general reed and requested mrs ferguson if she should see him to convey the idea that provided he could come formably to his conscience and view of things exert his influence to settle the dispute he might command ten thousand guineas and the best post in the government in reply to mrs ferguson's question if mr reed would not look upon such a mode of obtaining his influence as a bribe johnston immediately disclaimed any such idea said such a method of proceeding was common in all negotiations and that one might honourably make it a man's interest to step forth in such a cause she on her part expressed her conviction that if mr reed thought it right to give up the point of independence he would say so without fee or reward and if he were of a different opinion no pecuniary emolument would lead him to give a contrary vote 
mr johnston did not see the matter in this light a day or two after this communication was suggested mrs ferguson sent by a confidential messenger a note to general reed at headquarters requesting an hour's conversation previous to her going to lancaster on business and desiring him to fix a place where she could meet him without the necessity of passing through the camp she stated that the business on which she wished to confer with him could not be committed to writing the note was received on the twenty first of june after general reed's arrival in the city which had been evacuated three days before by the british he sent word by the bearer that he would wait upon mrs ferguson the same evening at this interview the conversation treating of governor johnston's desire of settling matters upon an amicable footing and his favourable sentiments towards mr reed general reed mentioned that he had received a letter from him at valley forge mrs ferguson then repeated in all its particulars the conversation that had passed at the house of mr stedman her repetition of the proposition of governor johnston brought from general reed the prompt and noble reply i am not worth purchasing but such as i am the king of great britain is not rich enough to do it general reed laid before congress both the written and verbal communications of governor johnston withholding however the name of the lady from motives of delicacy and reluctance to draw down popular indignation upon her an account of the transaction was also published in the papers of the day it was useless to attempt concealment of her name suspicion was at once directed to her and her name was called for by a resolution of the executive council of pennsylvania asterisk the attempt through the wife of a loyalist to bribe a member of congress to aid in uniting the colonies to the mother country proved of incalculable service in recalling the doubting and irresolute whigs to a sense of duty the story and the noble reply were repeated from mouth to mouth and from the hour it was known the whigs had won the tories lost the future empire sabine's american loyalists return to text congress issued a declaration condemning the daring and atrocious attempts made to corrupt their integrity and declaring it incompatible with their honor to hold any manner of correspondence with the said george johnston as may be imagined disagreeable consequences ensued which were severely felt by mrs ferguson as soon as she saw the article in the town's evening post which reached her at graham park july twenty sixth seventeen seventy eight she addressed a letter of remonstrance to general reed bitterly complaining of having been exhibited in the newspapers as a mere emissary of the commissioners i own i find it hard she says knowing the uncorruptness of my heart to be held out to the public as a tool to the commissioners but the impression is now made and it is too late to recall it how far at this critical juncture of time this affair may injure my property is uncertain that i assure you is but a secondary thought asterisk letter published in the remembrancer volume six return to text it appears evident that mrs ferguson did not act this part in any expectation of deriving advantage for herself her associations and connections being chiefly with the royalists it was natural that her opinion should be influenced by theirs but her desire for the good of the country was undoubtedly disinterested after the return of governor johnston to england he ventured to deny the charge preferred in the resolution of congress by a letter published in rivington's gazette and in a speech in november in the house of commons boldly asserted the falsehood of the statement made by general reed his denial no sooner reached america than mrs ferguson anxious that justice should be done to all parties published her narrative of the transaction confirmed by her oath 
the excellence of the motives which had actuated her in consenting to act as johnston's confidential agent is sufficiently apparent in the spirit she now exhibited among the many mortifying insinuations that have been hinted on the subject none has so sensibly affected me as an intimation that some thought i acted a part in consequence of certain expectations of a post or some preferment from mr johnston to be conferred on the person dearest to me on earth on that head i shall say no more but leave it to any person of common sense to determine if i had any views of the kind whether i should in so full and solemn a manner call in question what mr johnston has asserted in the house of commons a proceeding of this kind must totally exclude all avenues of favour from that quarter were there ever any expected which i solemnly declare never was the case if this account should ever have the honour to be glanced over by the eye of governor johnston i know not in what medium he may view it it is possible that the multiplicity of ideas which may be supposed to pass through the brain of a politician in the course of a few months may have jostled the whole transaction out of his memory should this be the case insignificant and contemptible as i may appear to him i believe there are two or three people in britain who will venture to tell him in all his plenitude of power that they believe i would not set my hand to an untruth mrs ferguson's poetical talent has been mentioned her verses were said to possess vigour and measure but to lack melody while her prose writings indicated both genius and knowledge she was well read in polemical divinity and a firm believer in the doctrines of revelation she is said to have transcribed the whole bible to impress its contents more deeply upon her mind hence the facility with which she would select appropriate passages to illustrate or adorn the subjects of her writings or conversation she had no children but adopted the son and daughter of one of her sisters who on her deathbed committed them to her care the nephew an accomplished scholar and gentleman was till his death a lieutenant in the british army the talents and attainments of mrs ferguson her virtues elevated and invigorated by christian faith her independence and integrity of character and her benevolent feeling for others endeared her name to a large circle of friends yet her life appears to have been one darkened by sorrow in her later years the reduction of her income diminished her means of usefulness but she would not permit any privations to which she found it necessary to submit to be a source of unhappiness she died at the house of a friend near graham park on the twenty third of february eighteen hundred one in the sixty-second year of her age chapter fifteen mary phillips in seventeen fifty six colonel george washington then commander-in-chief of the virginia forces had some difficulties concerning rank with an officer holding a royal commission he found it necessary to communicate with general shirley the commander-in-chief of his majesty's armies in america and for this purpose left his headquarters at winchester and travelled to boston on horseback attended by his aide-de-camp on his way he stopped in some of the principal cities the military fame he had gained and the story of his remarkable escape at braddock's defeat excited general curiosity to see the brave young hero and great attention was paid to him while in new york says his biographer mr sparks he was entertained at the house of mr beverly robinson between whom and himself an intimacy of friendship subsisted which indeed continued without change till severed by their opposite fortunes twenty years afterwards in the revolution it happened that miss mary phillips a sister of mrs robinson and a young lady of rare accomplishments was an inmate in the family the charms of this lady made a deep impression upon the heart of the virginia colonel 
he went to boston returned and was again welcomed to the hospitality of mrs robinson he lingered there till duty called him away but he was careful to entrust his secret to a confidential friend whose letters kept him informed of every important event in a few months intelligence came that a rival was in the field and that the consequences could not be answered for if he delayed to renew his visits to new york washington could not at this time leave his post however deeply his feelings may have been interested in securing the favor of the fair object of his admiration the fact that his friend thought fit to communicate thus repeatedly with him upon the subject does not favor the supposition that his regard was merely a passing fancy or that the bustle of camp life or the scenes of war had effaced her image from his heart mr sparks assures me that the letters referred to which were from a gentleman connected with the robinson family though playful in their tone were evidently written under the belief that an attachment existed on washington's part and that his happiness was concerned how far the demonstrations of this attachment had gone it is now impossible to ascertain nor whether miss phillips had discouraged the colonel's attentions so decidedly as to preclude all hope the probability is however that he despaired of success he never saw her again till after her marriage with captain roger morris the rival of whom he had been warned mary phillips was the daughter of the hon frederick phillips speaker of the assembly he was lord of the old manor of phillipsborough and owned an immense landed estate on the hudson mary was born at the manor hall on the third of july seventeen thirty no particulars relating to her early life can be given by her relatives but the tradition is that she was beautiful fascinating and accomplished a lady now living in new york who knew her after she became mrs morris and had visited her at her residence near the city tells me that she was one of the most elegant women she had ever seen and that her manners uniting dignity with affability charmed every one who knew her the rumour of washington's former attachment was then current and universally believed her house was the resort of many visitors at all seasons she removed to new york after her marriage in seventeen fifty eight with roger morris who was a captain in the british army in the french war and one of braddock's aide-de-camp a part of the phillips estate came by right of his wife into his possession and was taken from him by confiscation in punishment for his loyalism mrs morris was included in the attainder that the whole interest might pass under the act Asterisk. the authentic facts relating to captain morris and colonel robinson and to their wives have been preserved by mr sabine in his american loyalists he visited the relatives of the family in new brunswick return to text the rights of her children however as time showed were not affected and the reversionary interest was sold by them to john jacob astor the descendants of mrs robinson the sister of mary morris speak of her with warm praise as one who possessed high qualities of mind and great excellence of character to one of these a gentleman high in office in new brunswick the author of the loyalists once remarked in conversation that there was some difference to his aunt between being the wife of the commander-in-chief the first president of the united states and the wife of an exile and an outlaw herself attainted of treason the tables were turned upon him by the reply that mrs morris had been remarkable for fascinating all who approached her and moulding everybody to her will and that had she married washington it could not be certain that she would not have kept him to his allegiance indeed washington would not could not have been a traitor with such a wife as aunt morris without dwelling on the possibilities of such a contingency 
one can hardly think without some degree of national shame that a lady whom we have every reason to believe had been the object of washington's love should be attainted of treason for clinging to the fortunes of her husband mrs morris died in england in eighteen twenty five at the advanced age of ninety-six the portrait of her is engraved from an original painting taken after her marriage and now in the possession of her namesake and grandniece mrs governor who resides at highland grange phillipstown in the highlands it is stated in the history of westchester county that miss mary phillips was the original of the lovely character of francis in mr cooper's novel of the spy this is incorrect susanna the sister of mary phillips was the wife of beverly robinson of new york there is some ground for the belief that she actually exercised over her husband's mind some portion of the influence said to have been possessed by her sister for it appears that he was at first disinclined to take any active part in the contest between the colonies and great britain he was so much opposed to the measures of the ministry that he would not use imported merchandise but was at length prevailed on by his friends to enter the royal service as before mentioned he and washington were intimate friends before they were separated by difference of political opinion the robinson house which had been confiscated with the lands was occupied by arnold as his headquarters and by washington at the time of arnold's treason when colonel robinson gave up the quiet enjoyment of country life his wife took her share of the outlawry that awaited him she as well as her sister being included in the act of confiscation after their removal to england they lived in retirement she died near bath at the age of ninety-four in eighteen twenty two her descendants in new brunswick preserve among other relics of the olden time a silver tea-urn of rich and massive workmanship said to be the first of such articles used in america End of chapters fourteen and fifteen